Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Good morning. Welcome to the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. Thanks for spending a little time with us. I'm WSBT Radio Sports Director Darren Pritchett, joined by our golf professionals. We have John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, and the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club, Tim Firestone. Guys, good morning to you. Good morning. Morning, Darren. This is the first show of the season in which both of your golf courses are active at the same time. So a monumental day on the program. <laughs> so we'll have a nice and um, grumpy Mr. Foster. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, well, I've, I've been, been enjoying it quite well, guys. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is really nice, though, to be open. I, I mean, just it's so different and i didn't realize how much i missed it till we opened up and the staff feels the same way so it's been a good week and a half how about that i like to hear that we all look forward to our vacations the getaway let's get away from work for a couple of weeks but then after a little while you miss it yeah you know uh, tim can attest to this too uh, you know come november uh, nothing personal golfers but we're pretty well sick of you. <laughs> 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 and, and we november open, god you know, that's pretty generous well, we welcome you with open arms usually in March. You wait till June, and we're really nice to you. So it's glad glad to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> well, for people maybe just tuning in for the first time, Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame has been open for, what, about a week and a half now, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Blackthorn has been open since early spring. So it's great to have both championship golf courses back and ready to go. So I know we talked to you last week, John, a little bit about the opening of Warren. You're a couple of days in. Now we're another week into the process. I guess has much changed from your standpoint from the first few days of opening up Warren? Have you altered anything? No, uh, Darren, it's um, as I mentioned last time, you know, with courses like Tim having been open for a couple of months or so, we've been able to learn what works and what doesn't. So I think what we introduced initially, as far as our safety protocols, um, we pretty much stuck with. They seem to work. Um, the golfers are not inconvenienced whatsoever. People that are overly concerned with their health, they feel good about it. Um, so, no, we haven't really changed anything at all. What we found, and um, you know, we've gone to 12-minute intervals as far as start times, is that our average rounds are about three and a half hours right now. Unbelievable. I mean, it, the pace of play is incredible. I mean, we normally go 10 minutes and the pace of play is good, but people are loving that. I want people to play golf. I want people to play golf the rest of your life. But if there are 12-minute intervals between tee times and you have someone that's on your back door, you probably need to reevaluate yourself as a golfer because <laughs> that's a long time between tee times. You well, should not be catching up with people. But it, it still happens. And, um, you know, I think another thing that was unanticipated from our standpoint, guys, is that we have the Burke course closed right now. It hasn't opened yet. 
So a lot of the people that traditionally play the Burke, uh, probably their level of play isn't up to what the average That's golfer true. that plays the Warren. And so we've had some issues with pace of play. We've worked with them. Um, so we're anxious to get the Burke open. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that's very fair. Tim, from when you opened Blackthorn to where we are now in the middle of June, have you changed a whole lot in the procedures you put in place? No. I would say we're pretty much sticking to it. We still have the clubhouse closed down. I think we'll keep that until at least July 1st. Um, today is the first time we're doing some expanded uh, food service um options where we're going to have a grill outside um uh, for chicken sandwiches and and burgers for the first time so um i guess we started at 10 a.m we've already sold about 20 burgers so obviously people (laughs) have missed those but um that's about it darren everything else is about the same and other than the fact of now with our outing schedule we'll start ramping up here in july especially with the restrictions that um Governor Pitts is, you know, the phase four where you're allowed to have, you know, more participants in with one event. So um, uh, I think that uh, for us, um, it's ran very smoothly. We've learned a lot about our operation. We've learned a lot about our staffing, about what people really do when they're working or supposed to be doing when they're working and um, <laughs> how we can be more efficient and more profitable. So, you know, guys, Tim, does that mean you've been out um, – Cleaning carts. Come on, be honest. You know, in April I did, but uh, that was the stint of my career with bleach water. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, if you want to increase the bottom line, you know, just fire a couple cart kids and you do all that work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Save that. Oh, save that five dollars an hour, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I told uh, the other day they walked up and <laughs> they're like, "Are you?" <laughs> you cleaning carts and i said yeah this time last year i was uh fielding phone calls from tom watson trying to find him a caddy and this year i'm sanitizing golf <laughs> 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 uh, lordy that is terrific i feel like we need to set aside a segment we have a couple of golf shows left for the season maybe we should set aside a segment and it's the John Foster, the proper way to sanitize a golf cart video that we can maybe work into the golf show very, very soon. Well, I don't know how videos work with radio. You'll have to explain that to me there, Darren. Well, I think the creative language during the process probably would <laughs> okay. play very well. I got you, buddy. I think it would be okay. You. you know, Tim, and you mentioned a moment ago that we're getting to the part of the year where golf outings take place. A lot of charities use these events to raise money. And at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for us as golfers to go out to a golf course, have fun, play in a foursome with people that you know and enjoy talking to. It's a social gathering. So I guess I just start thinking about events I've been at. Everybody's standing around talking. You eat together. So it's going to be up to the golfers to use the social distancing guidelines and be smart. I'm not sure. Are people going to wear masks before they play golf or some going to wear masks while they're playing golf? But at the end of the day, it's all about going out, having fun. But I guess, guys, it's going to be really interesting to see the dynamics of outings this year, considering where we are. Yeah, I think for us, we will try to provide the safest environment possible, but ultimately you can't control how people behave. And, 
for us, you know, we um, are going away from buffets, from, you know, an outing meal standpoint. We'll do all prepackaged meals. When we stage for carts, we will spread them out um, several feet apart. I know you guys both have played in outings at Blackstone before. And, I mean, John sets it up the same way most courses do, where the carts are pretty much back-to-back-to-back. Yeah. But we've spread that out. And we also, our cart guys, bag kids, used to carry the bags to the carts. And we still will remain that our our staff will not touch um, people's clubs. So there will be some changes. Again, to John's point, everybody's used to it now. They accept it. They're happy to mm-hmm. be out there. And um, um, for the most part, everybody has been uh, pretty good about it. John, what are your you know, expectations yeah. when outings well, start rolling? You know, we don't do as many outings, probably, right. I don't believe, as Tim. And we've had a number of cancellations, and it's been due to uh, financial situations from the corporations who normally sponsor it, um, out of concern for, say, their employees and their clients, uh, not wanting them to, to put them into a situation that could be potentially unsafe. Um, it's just... So we don't have anything on the books. And and the other issue, and and Tim alluded to it, was the amount of people um, that that one can have in an after event or a dinner or whatever else. So we've had probably 80% of our outings canceled this year and put it off until next year, and we totally understand that. So the ones that we do have left are rather small, which, frankly, we prefer to do anyway, anywhere from 36 to say 50 players. Um, but it's just, it's not a big part of our business. Um, we're going to miss that. But on the other hand, uh, we'll just, you know, wait till next year, I guess. Well, I'm embarrassed to say, and I know you guys are going to chirp me because you can come <laughs> back with some pretty good one-liners at me, but I have not been out and play golf so far this year. This is where the one-liners start. But I'm just kind of wondering, guys, what the environment has been like. Have you seen a lot of people wear masks playing golf, or is it mainly from the parking lot to the golf cart you might see people wearing masks? Man, very, very, very few. Um, I would say that the only – I've maybe seen only one or two wear masks while they're playing. Um, And – the large majority of golfers, uh, I think, just feel safe keeping their distance and being out in the open air. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with Tim totally. I mean, actually, I haven't seen anybody play one, uh, wear one while playing. We do see some people in the parking lot that that will have them. We are required and do wear them if we're um, up close and personal with any of our clients, and if we're in our, you know, where we check people in, which is which is our starter cottage. But beside that, I think people truly feel safe outdoors, mm-hmm. especially at the golf course. And if they do have a penchant for wearing masks in stores or whatever else, those same people do not see the need to wear them uh, when they're at the golf course. Well, I would say it would be important for, if you're playing with Tim, John, not to wear a mask, because if Tim has a mask on, I may not hear him say he's double-pressing this particular hole that we're about to play, because that could lead to a lot of controversy if people don't hear him. Because I well, imagine double-presses happen from time to time. Actually, given Tim's uh, penchant for sandbagging, he needs to wear a mask, because it's like robbery. Um, uh, so I think that would be a good idea. 
<laughs> and the other thing is, Darren, if we're playing with you, I would not recommend masks, but I would recommend a helmet. Okay. <laughs> All I can think of after that comment, John, if I get to play golf with you and Tim soon, I, I think I'm going to be playing with Smokey and the Bandit then. <laughs> Well, I quit smoking a number of years ago, so you're just going to have the band. <laughs> I'm just imagining you just being, I don't know, Jackie Gleason for some reason with all these one-liners. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I've never been compared to Jackie Gleason before, but I really appreciate the fact that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> Most of our listeners uh, have no idea who Jackie Gleason is. And speaking of listeners, you know, we never do this, but I want to do a, okay. give a shout-out to uh, one of my regular players out here that, believe it or not, guys, listens to us every week. Uh, Bob Johnson wow. is his name. And it's taken probably all of this season to convince Bob, how can I possibly be on the radio if I'm out cleaning carts? And he sees me there while he's <laughs> listening. And so I explain that we're not always live. That Sometimes we take. So, Bob, this is living proof, okay? But thank you for listening. Um, guys, we don't have a whole lot of them, so let's treat them very nicely. That's right. Thank I you, Bob. I think I know the Bob you're referring to. <laughs> really? I think so. I think so. Well, it's such an uncommon name, I'll bet it is. Well, there was a Bob <laughs> Johnson that used to work at WSBT-TV, so I don't know if that's the same I one see. or not. I'm not sure. Okay. I'll ask him. You'll okay. ask that particular question. Okay. Very, very good. <laughs> Let's see. I was going to ask you, would you prefer to be referenced as Jerry Reed rather than Jack Gleason? But we'll just go ahead and yeah, hint Smokey and the Bandit. Again, nobody knows who that guy is either. That's a great movie. When that movie's on, I always watch it. Hmm. That's a that's a classic. Well, that just shows we have different tastes. You would not watch Smokey and the Bandit? Not really. I didn't watch it the first time. <laughs> wow. I'm not so sure I would now. But that's okay, Darren. I have we a have feeling. Different... Is that Burt Reynolds? Yeah, it's Sally Field, Jerry Reed, Jackie Leeson. I think that was that was still like in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure where we're going with this conversation. This is actually the golf show presented by Michelob Ultra. Tim, John, and Darren with you. So let's just get into for a couple of seconds, guys. This is a different environment. You know, you have golf facilities without their clubhouses open, the inability to buy merchandise. If you wouldn't mind, just a, a quick update on the equipment manufacturers that you are aligned with, and is there anything new and exciting that would be worth mentioning to golfers at this particular time? So, Tim, I'll let you kind of go first who you've aligned with and if you've seen anything in the golf industry of interest this year that's caught your attention. Well, obviously, it's been a, a pretty slow um, equipment year uh, for us, and I'm sure John obviously has not been open. So, um, you know, we typically this time of year will have had uh, demo days where we have the different manufacturers come out to the range, and people can try out the different equipment. And we usually sell, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of golf equipment, where we haven't been able to do that yet. Um, but um, I think from my standpoint, with me being on TaylorMade staff, their new SIM products have become very popular. Um, I see a lot of guys hitting it. A lot of, uh, obviously, the tour guys, Rory and Dustin Johnson, you guys kind of saw that golf event on TV brought to you by TaylorMade. But it's really, the SIM product is a good good driver. Three-wood and the hybrid especially is really good. Um, and then from an iron standpoint, they came out with the SIM irons for the higher handicap players. 
but they also carried over uh, their their player irons from last year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really uh, solid line of products uh, from TaylorMade this year. I'm trying to think <laughs> off the top of my head, and I'm just not sure, but I think isn't Justin Thomas a Titleist guy? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. It was interesting watching the golf coverage on Thursday. He got to the first tee at Colonial, and I've never seen a professional do this before, but he got out that little device that you can change what mm. the degree mm-hmm. of the the driver, and I've never seen a professional do that. I'm actually kind of surprised they even use a tool like that. I guess my impression was Tim and John that that was just kind of for the average golfer type thing. I didn't really realize that the pros would alter their golf club like that. Do you think that's very uncommon? Uh, the first thing it is. Yeah, I agree with that, Tim. Maybe it's a case he was tinkering in the range and then realized he had it set on the wrong setting at the first tee. But I, Darren, I thought yeah. the same thing. To be quite honest, that it was a compensation for a swing flaw or a path flaw or something. And then I went through, we had the Titleist Tour Fitters out here um, last year, and they went through a configuration on the, the driver that I was using, and I had it set on neutral because I was always thinking, okay, you know, if you're swing, you don't want to do something that, you know, hides a flaw in your swing, you want to correct the flaw. Well, they, they made a, a, a change in the setting. It wasn't drastic, but it was an eight-yard difference, difference on carry with the hmm. driver. And so... I, Tim, I don't know what your feeling was about that before, but I never tinkered with mine. I just left it on neutral, and it shows you, eh, probably should have listened. Yeah, no, I've always left it on neutral. I figure I'm going to not swing the same way every time anyway, so what the heck, <laughs> you know. One time will be well, none of it at all, but even neutral, you'll be all right. Yeah, Darren, bring in, but, but when you bring that point up, too, you know, he couldn't have done that on the second tee, for instance. you got to do that. Oh, Once yeah, you start right. your round, you cannot change the configuration. So what exactly was he changing on the golf club? Uh, my, my guess is, again, I think it maybe it was a carryover from the range, but you can change a number of things. You can change the uh, loft on the club. You can change the face angle, and that seems to be the one that, uh, you know, you can close it or you can open it and you can add loft or subtract loft. And let's just say it was really windy or something. Maybe you wanted to take some loft off of the driver. But those are the variables uh, that you can change uh, with that. So, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming you're still aligned with Titleist, John? Mm-hmm. Anything yeah, new am... and exciting? Because I know they do things in like two-year cycles. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they do their irons and hybrids. um on on the same rotation in every other year as well as the woods they'll do in the year uh after that so so what we've got this year is a new line of irons the t series they call it and i gotta tell you guys i got fit for the t200s and i haven't played around the golf this year but i have been to the range a few times and greg my assistant actually played a couple of weeks ago with he has the t200 and i know they've strengthened the lofts on these things um, but I found my carry is so much farther. I, my miss hits go so much straighter. It's one of the clubs that I've actually been able to tell a difference from one iteration to two years later, the next iteration, a true difference. And it looks really, really good looking down at the club. And Greg seems, he says he's picked up about 12 yards for every iron. Um, and that comes from 
the technology, as well as I think they've strengthened the loss. My goodness, the pitching wedge, if I recall, is 43 degrees, Tim. I mean, that used to be a 9-iron, at least, maybe an 8-iron. So part of it's that. But I just uh, the feel of the club is phenomenal. So it's a T series. They have a T one hundred, two hundred, three hundred, depending upon you know what level of play. So anyway, I'm a big fan of it. Hmm. Just for someone that doesn't know, when you say they've strengthened the loft, what does that mean? Yeah, they've actually. Let's say a, um, a typical back when I learned to play golf back in the Middle Ages, it was a pitching wedge was about fifty <laughs> degrees of loft, which means. Uh, you know, it launches if you hit it straight or square on. It launches at 50 degrees. By strengthening it, you take the loft down to say 46 degrees. It launches at a lower angle and therefore will go farther. So a lot of the pros at times you'll see, and this used to be the case, they'd strengthen their own loft. Say a seven iron uh, was was typically 34 degrees. They would strengthen that to 32 or 31 for lower ball flights. And then you would hear, oh, this guy hit a seven iron 190 yards. Well, not really. Actually hit a six iron. So, but now the manufacturers as a selling tool has done the same thing. Um, You know, you go demo a club and you'll pick up a wedge and it's like, oh my goodness, I hit a wedge 140 yards. I normally hit it 120. Well, there's good reason for that. It's actually not a wedge as you know it. So Mm. that's what it would mean. Tim, what's your best piece of advice to give golfers someone is interested in getting a new set of clubs or maybe a new wedge, a new driver, a new putter, but right now they just can't walk into the pro shop at Blackthorn to take a look at the models. How do you suggest the average golfer go about trying to take a look at equipment and purchase it at this time? Just trust me. I'll send you the right thing, I promise. (laughs) I've got a different approach. Go to Dick's Sporting Goods and try theirs out, and then come buy them. Yeah, them. Right, that's even better. <laughs> uh, we actually have some demo clubs available, Darren, so uh, we, we wash those down afterwards, but we've got a full array of demos of Titleist and TaylorMade, um, so people can come on out and try out different things, and we actually scheduled a demo day for later in June, so um, golfers will be able to have a chance to hit some clubs. <laughs> One more question in this particular segment, and I'm not sure which of your facilities are lined up with local teams for the 2020 campaign, but on Sportsbeat this week we had Dean Huppert on, the director of athletics for Mishawaka High School, and girls' golf practice is going to start at the end of July, and then just a few days later all the other pros or the other high school sports are going to start practicing. I'm wondering... Obviously, John, you've got Notre Dame golf at your facility, and Mm -hmm. Tim, you've had various high school and college teams at your facility in years past. Do you get the sense that we're going to have a golf season starting on time this year? Tim, I'll let you go first. Again, I'm not sure which teams you have at your course. Well, um, Bethel College um, and Penn High School. um, But from this standpoint, yes, everything we're hearing – um, there will be a high school season and a and a college season. What about you, John, with the Irish? Well, right now it's still in flux, but I believe what you're going to see from the golf teams are maybe fewer events. Um, maybe an event they flew to cross-country last year. Maybe they're not going to participate sure. in this year. So maybe the elimination of a couple of competitions, one or two, 
But from a high school standpoint, we don't host any high schools at the Warren St. Joe, uh, the, the women's and, and men's program, boys and girls program there, utilize the Burke. And I'm assuming the Burke will be open by the time their mm-hmm. golf season's open. So I think the IHSAA is moving full speed ahead. I thought it was interesting this week, guys, that the Indiana Golf Association sponsored what was essentially uh, the state championship of the teams that were going to participate, the better high school teams in the state. You know, they competed down at Purdue. Uh, Penn High School was part of that. Mm-hmm. And trying to finish off the season for the seniors and make, you know, kind of put a bookend on their career. And I thought it was a nice gesture. And I think they demonstrated that they could have competition at the high school yeah. level and do it safely. Well said. John Foster, Tim Firestone, Darren Pritchett with you. More golf show coming up, presented by Michelob Ultra on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Welcome back to the golf show, presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by John Foster, the general manager of Warren Golf Course at Better Dame. Tim Firestone will rejoin us in the next segment. Our guest is John Handrigan the Notre Dame men's golf coach, and it was an historic season for the Notre Dame golf program. They set a school record by winning four tournaments. They were ranked in the top ten nationally, ranked as high as number five. And from the way it sounds, they still have a pretty good nucleus coming back for next season. John, welcome to the golf show. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, and thanks for having me today. I look forward to talking with you guys. We thank you so much for your time. And, John Foster, I'm just going to start with you. You've had a chance to be around John to see what he's done with this program since being hired in July of 2017. How would you describe John and what he has done with this golf program? Uh, the worst three years of my life. I, mean, I guess that sums it up. <laughs> Listen, Derek, you, you, you know, you just cited the numbers, and it goes well beyond the numbers. Um, seriously, John's been a real pleasure to work with, and I say that because we feel like we're part of the golf team, and that's uh, uh, that includes Matt Seelan, my superintendent, and our respective staffs. And we've always wanted that, and it hasn't always been that way necessarily. So we have a lot of interaction day-to-day with John. He provides a lot of good input as far as what he'd like to see in the golf course and what he think is important for college golf. Um, him and Scott Gump, as I say, are great to work with. They've had a lot of success in a short amount of time, and both on the course and uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Some of the players that um, you know want to come and play golf at Notre Dame now um, are just phenomenal. And um, I, I, I – always had felt that you know this this product we have here was maybe being undersold and i think john one of the first things when he came in he he appreciated and he recognized what a great facility this is golf course yeah. and the practice facility uh, notwithstanding the notre dame education which is uh, one of his big selling points as well but i uh, just the quality of recruits that have come through here and he brings the recruits to us and introduces them and their parents to, you know, Matt's staff, my, uh, me and my staff. It's just, you feel like we're part of the family and um, he's done a phenomenal job and I expect that to continue. I'm, I know you're going to talk about it here. Um, We we were all equally disappointed when the season was cut short because 
God knows where these guys could have gone this year. But I'm going to do something very uh, uncommon for me. I'm going to shut up at this point and let you and John talk. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you were saying about the golf program. That sounded like statements made about the hockey program 20 years ago, and Coach Jackson has taken that program to a national level. And John is on his way of doing that right now with the men's golf program. John, how important has it been to have a golf course like Warren to be your home facility? Well, I've been fortunate to coach at a lot of schools now across the country, and uh, and I haven't been to one yet that has an elite golf course that can host a major championship. And uh, and obviously hosting the Senior Open last year to be recognized for that, to tell recruits that we're the only school in the country that's hosted a major championship um, just speaks volumes for a golf course. And when you want to you know, recruit players that want to improve and play in the PGA Tour, you have to have a great way to instruct and help them improve um, and our golf course does that. You know, we we play there as much as we possibly can. Our facility is outstanding. Um, Matt and, and Foster, they do a, a great job with uh, making us feel like it's our home. Um, and uh, and we get to play a championship golf course day in and day out. And I can't tell you how much that prepares us uh, for competition. Um, and Matt does a, a great job, Matt Steelen, of, of setting it up uh, the way – uh, Coach Gump and I would like to help us practice, and uh, and that prepares us for when we get on the road and we play some of the best golf courses in the country. Um, we're fortunate to have that at our own at our own home. Coach, before we leave, talking about Warren Golf Course, what was your thoughts on seeing the U.S. Senior Open take place in the facility? It's a shame the golf course did not dry out, so the scores probably were a little higher than we expected. But how did the golf course hold up against the best senior players? Yeah, I think the first two days when it was soft, we had that unforeseen rain that we weren't expecting. Um, it, uh, there, there were some low scores out there, but the last two days when it firmed up and played the way um, Matt and John wanted it to play, I think it uh, it held its own pretty well. And, and the last day, um, I can't remember the exact scoring, but there wasn't too many players that uh, were under par and very few in the 60s. So it's a really good test to golf. Um, you can't control Mother Nature, but having some of the best players of all time at our home golf course was, was amazing. We had a, a skybox um, for our alums and, and donors to come back to, and and uh, it was neat because those are all the players that I grew up watching. Um, I wish I could take some of the credit for it, but I was just there kind of reaping the rewards of the, the Senior Open, and a lot of work that, uh, that our staff put in. Um, but I thought they did a phenomenal job, and uh, to host that championship here at Notre Dame was, was outstanding. And, and the players, too, that, that played in the event, all the, the kind remarks that they had afterwards about how good our golf course was and, and telling, you know, on national TV that if I was, uh, you know, if they were going back to college again, they would, they would look at Notre Dame because it was a fabulous uh, golf course and experience. So. It just it speaks volumes uh, of what we have here, and we're fortunate to have some of the best facilities in the country. John Handrigan, Notre Dame men's golf coach, our guest on WSBT Radio. John, take us back to early on in your tenure as Notre Dame men's golf coach. As you think back, what is possibly the most important thing that you did that set the stage for this tremendous season? I think John Foster taught, uh, touched on it a little bit earlier, but we just created – a new culture and we have so many positive things here at Notre Dame um, and the culture of the team um, didn't understand or appreciate all the things that we had to offer and we uh, do obviously recruited hard and, and brought in some really strong players but 
we develop the current players into elite players. And there's seniors that are graduating this year that um, their first couple of years they weren't performing to their expectations or ours. And, uh, and we worked hard with those players to develop them and make them into top college players. And uh, those are the players that competed for us this year and got us ranked in the top ten in the country. Um, but I would say Notre Dame's got a lot to offer, and we created a different kind of culture. Um, we created a team culture, like John Foster was just talking about, that we incorporate everybody as part of our team, and that's you know, our, the golf staff. That's the starters at the golf course. That's Matt Seelan and his staff. That's people on campus that can help our team. And, and that was uh, you know Scott Gump, who's a phenomenal assistant coach. He's we're utilizing him in a different way because, I mean, he played on tour for, for 20 years and he can help our players improve and develop, and, and he was a big part of it. And we hired um, um, a new volunteer assistant coach, and he just uh, retired at Notre Dame. But Scott Malpass, he's, he taught um, our players what the culture of Notre Dame should be as well. So we have a lot to offer at Notre Dame, and we're fortunate to really um, show our players what we can do. John Foster, let me just ask you, being around mm-hmm. the program, seeing these golfers, seeing the coaching staff, what impresses you about the culture that's been created? It's just a 180-degree turnaround, Darren. Um, you know, the, the kids were frustrated uh, themselves, I think, and at the, the, the fact that they were kind of rudderless in, in terms of where they wanted to go. And there's, this brought clarity, I think, to what, it's, what it should be to play golf at Notre Dame. John's done that. Um, and the kids, uh, I wouldn't call them undisciplined before necessarily. They were wanting some direction, wanting some, uh, discipline, and they now know what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. They're very clear. John points out to each one of them individually what's expected of them. And if they don't perform, they don't play. And I thought it was so telling that, um, John in an earlier interview, I'm trying to think it was with golf week, I believe, where at times when he came in here his first year, you had kids actually silently rooting against other kids to play poorly so maybe they could play the next week. And then that's just obviously um, very divisive for a team, and he's he's managed to turn that around where the kids compete against one another now. They don't wish the other person bad. They just want to beat them. Mm-hmm. John Handrigan, Notre Dame men's golf coach, our guest on WSBT Radio, John Foster, Darren Pritchett alongside Coach Handrigan. I know at the start of the year, and I'm not sure how the rankings are done in college golf, but you guys were ranked in the 100s. As I mentioned at the Open, you ended up being ranked in the top ten as high as number five in the country. Did the rest of the country not know what you had, or did possibly this group exceed even your expectations at the start of the year? Yeah, I think um, we could see how well our program was improving over the last couple of years, and and like we talked about, we had a culture in place that we felt was going to produce some, some winning programs and winning teams. Um, did I foresee us you know, breaking all those records and winning four out of our first five events? Definitely not. You know, that exceeded um, our goals even as a team. Um, however, you know, we, we worked hard and the, the guys really improved throughout the last couple of years. And we could foresee that we're going to have a, a great team. And that team's not going to stop after this year, you know, and unfortunately it was, it was cut short and being ranked top 10 in the country. It's, it's uh, I don't think it surprised a lot of people out there because I think they knew what Notre Dame golf was capable of and, and they, they kind of knew who I was as a coach. So, um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, we were a team that people were looking at, you know, kind of in the 
corner of their eyes coming up that uh, they were they were concerned about. So we were you know, going to some tournaments. We were the team in the field that everyone was like, oh, Notre Dame's here. They're top ten in the country. And it was nice to be recognized for that mm-hmm. because early on, you know, being ranked 100th in the, in the country, people were just looking at Notre Dame as an easy team to beat. Um, and now they're looking at us as a team that, you know, is likely going to beat them and they'd have to play their best golf to beat us. So it was nice to get that recognition. The guys deserved it. And uh, it wasn't uh, – it was from a lot of hard work, that's for sure. And, Coach, is there an event in particular, whether it was this year or possibly last year, where you started to turn the corner and the group realized that everything that you had put into the program, the culture you had set, the hard work that the guys had put in, it all paid off? Yeah, I would say it was our first event this fall when, um, you know, in past years, we had chances to win. We couldn't quite get it done. And then our first event in the fall at Wisconsin, uh, their home golf course, who had a pretty strong field this year, um, we had a, a chance to win that, that final round, and we just blew everybody away uh, that final round and won by quite a few shots. And when we did that, we kind of broke through that first time and got the taste of winning. Everybody could see that you know we're an elite team, and it brought confidence. Um, success breeds success, and uh, and then the next week um, we weren't uh, we weren't happy with that one win. We wanted to win again, and the guys were extremely motivated. And then when we got ourselves in that position again to win, they just believed that you know what we've already did this, we've already won an event, we can do this again. And then you know sure enough, we won our second event. So um, and then they're hungry to win the third. Um, I got a really uh, this team that we we built is really hungry, and they want to improve, and they want to win everything they play. So there's they're not content with just winning one or two. They want to they want to win them all, and I'm I'm really happy with how competitive they are and, and how much they want to uh, make this program better. Well, I'm sure being a golf coach with players all over the golf course, it can be tense at times when you're in a big event. But I would have to think there was one weekend in particular where going into the final round or in the midst of the final round, you had to be the most relaxed golf coach in history because i got to point out the Quail Valley Collegiate where you shattered the program's 54-hole scoring record by 21 strokes. You guys had 43 under par as your final score. I would assume that was the weekend where everything absolutely clicked for your group. Yeah, it sure was. It was a special week. Um, they just kept making birdies after birdies, um, and uh, and what a week! And and we had uh, you know the individual winner in Palmer Jackson that week, and he birdied the very last hole to to win the individual title. Um, we broke a lot of a team records that week, and it was the last tournament of the fall. So pretty nice to go out on uh, on that note, and uh, just very happy for the guys. They worked so hard over the last three years and sometimes you don't always see the rewards and the benefits of it but you know to, to shoot your your school record and win four to five and to end the fall you know top 10 in the country um very uh, very happy for them and extremely rewarding for us john handrigan notre dame men's golf coach joining us we'll be back with more golf show in a moment on wsbt we're back on the golf show presented by michelob ultra on sports radio 96.1 wsbt I'm Darren Pritchett. Well, it's been a very successful week so far down in Fort Worth as the PGA Tour goes back to work for the first time in three months due to the pandemic. They are playing historic 
Colonial Golf Club down in Fort Worth, Texas, and all of the health precautions are in place, and the golf has been really good so far. You can tell these guys weren't sitting on the couch for the entire pandemic as we have had some very low scores on a tight golf course. Just look at some of the early numbers from Friday. Harold Varner, the third shot, 66. Jordan Spieth, good to see the American play some really good golf in a place he's had great success. He has shot 65-65 going to the weekend, and Roy McIlroy on Friday a whopping 63 that's a seven under par round to get him to minus nine two behind harold varner so it is going to be a fun weekend down in colonial really good leaderboard and it's great to have the game of golf back on cbs this weekend we'll wrap up the golf show next on sports radio 96.1 wsbt the Golf Show brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. For John and Tim, I am Darren. Enjoy your weekend. It is 9 o'clock at WSBT South Bend. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 